I Suck at Dating with Dean Ungler, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hello and welcome back to Help, I Suck at Dating. I'm Dean Ungler. This is episode five and I have a very special guest in studio with me today. You know him. You love him from Rachel Season. Eric Bigger, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. Hey! There he is. I'm in the building. How you doing, Dean? How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. How's Thanks for heart? coming. My heart's, heart's full. Heart's ready to, you know, no. continue pushing through. Um, Eric, do you mind just introducing yourself to everyone that maybe isn't as familiar with the show? Hey, so I'm Eric Bigger, second runner-up from Rachel Lindsay season. And uh, me and Dean was in Dallas together before I took off to Spain. And then mm-hmm. I went home, and now I'm here, and um, a journey continues. We're live. Continues. Let's yeah. do it. Well, thank you. Um, I also do want to mention at the top of this podcast, I mentioned briefly to the producer and Eric as well. This is the 11-year anniversary of my mother passing away this week, so I'm a little off. I'm a little emotional this time of year, so if you guys sense some of that, I just wanted to to at least put that out there. But Eric, let's dive into yeah. a little bit about what you take a lot of pride and joy in, which is great, and I know we talked about it a lot during our season, um, astrology and like kind of how astrology plays into dating and, and, and even just relationships in general. Yeah, so, you know... From my point of view, I always seek to understand and to be understood. You know, we are who we are for a number of things. Um, with you, Dean, you know, you're Aries. Mm-hmm. You're a fire sign. Um, you might lack patience at times. Um, you like to be in control. But also, you are a sweetheart. So when it comes to Aries, you're more so or more compatible with someone who's fire just like you. Okay. A Leo, Sagittarius. But you're really compatible as well with an air sign. With someone who's a Gemini and Aquarius. Okay. You know? So I think for you it's about a person understanding you and giving you your space, but at the same time letting you lead as well. So you might not like when someone's telling you what to do all the time or pushing you. You might not like that. Don't like it very much. Right. So you need to understand that about yourself. But what's weird about that is because I I am stubborn, right? And I do like to push back when people tell me to do things. But I also very much appreciate the direction that sometimes people offer right so how how do you find the happy medium between that because i will so quickly say no to someone when they're telling me to do something for myself but i'm also very much open to the idea of someone kind of like guiding me through certain things or like someone suggesting some i I like structure when it's kind of given to me right but i don't like to to kind of abide to people's rules that type of stuff so is you know being vulnerable with that person so the thing about people who are air signs they have a great way of communicating. So they know how to get you to do things that they need you to do in a diplomatic way. Okay. So think of someone you might be close to who's an air sign, not with all signs. You know, Amy is Aquarius, so she's really good at delegating in a healthy way sometimes. Amy, the producer of the podcast. I don't like to get on Dean's show, but I will say he hates when I tell him what to do. Yeah. But part of him needs it. He needs it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's balanced. Yeah. But I think with you is all about being honest, being open, and being vulnerable, and said, and understanding, like I don't like when you say that, like that, or just be completely honest about your feelings. Okay, what's that, what's on you? I'm an Aries. I'm a Pisces. You're a Pisces. So what does Pisces say about you? I'm um, very emotional, very sensitive, very empath. I like helping people. Okay, you know, I'm an emotional person. I think that was one of my struggles on the show because I was trying to get Rachel to be emotional from the jump mm-hmm. she wasn't so i felt like well maybe she doesn't want to be with me and rachel's an aries i think she's an aries taurus mix so she's, right she's right on the cusp she's, she's like earth and fire yeah april 20 i think is yeah right april 21st yeah. oh wait yeah oh you're you're right you're right, you're right. Okay, yeah, yeah. i'm embarrassed <laughs> <laughs> um all right so does impatience man patience for you is could be tough sometimes 
Pa- patience. Yeah. Because okay. you want it like right now. You want to do it like let's go now, now. You don't think that's just a millennial thing? That's uh, like a. No, that's like an Aries. They're they're like the born leaders. They're like the baby of the leaders. Like. Yeah. Okay. They like they don't have patience. So that's the weird thing about me way. too is I love being in control and being the leader of a situation, yeah. but at the same time. Like, and you're competitive as well. Competitive, very competitive. Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of like like the direction and the order and the yeah. The, this is what you should be doing. I just think for you, direction needs to come in a healthy way. Like so, you don't want someone controlling you or telling you what to do if it's not unhealthy or it's demanding. Mm-hmm. So you don't like. It's funny because you probably don't like when someone's like you to them. In what way? So you might be like, uh, E, go over there and get me that drink and then come back. I have someone to take some pictures with you. But you might not even know that you're doing that. Oh, it's just I hope I don't do that. No, I'm just saying it might not come off that light, okay. but you're you di- you direct. You're a leader. So you tell people what to do without even trying to tell them what to do. If that makes sense. Yeah. I hey, can guess. you come over here and take this selfie with me? Like I need you to and you just do it just so naturally. But that's just who you are. It's okay. Okay. Or leader, you know? Okay. Well, so how about yourself? How do you kind of handle those types of situations? And you you're said you're more, you're a Pisces, so you're a little bit more empathic, right? So, yeah. So what does that say about you? Well, so for me, it's more about, I don't mind taking direction because I have that problem too when people tell me what to do. It's all about how you speak to me. Okay. I don't mind working with okay. someone or working for someone, but it's all how you talk to me. Right. And so I think that's important for a lot of people, but some people, they just want to be the boss. They want to be in control. Some people want to control, control. I had that at some point, but I just... Try to understand who I'm dealing. Once I understand, so I know you're Aries, mm-hmm. and I know you like to be in control. I know you're a leader. You like patience, so I would know how to talk to you right. and deal with you. When did you start getting into this whole astrology thing, or or like just this whole mindset? Well, I think it's like four years ago. You know, okay. I was just doing a lot of research on myself, trying to understand why am I this way? Why do I think like this? And why do I have these uh, aspirations mm-hmm. and ambitions? Like, who is this and why? And I start going deeper, and I'm like, oh. You know, and so when people don't, I don't say people, some people don't know you have three signs that make you up, right? Okay. So your first is your ascendant, which is your rising sign, how you come off. So that's more like your personality to when people see you. Right. Then you have your moon sign, which is like your mood. And then you have your sun, which is your area. So for me, my sun sign is a Pisces, but my rising sign is a Libra. Okay. So I come off like a Libra, I'm balanced, I'm charming, I'm cool. But my moon sign is a Sagittarius. So it's like, I like to initiate, I like to take action. I like to, that's the fire in me, like, like let's go. What's your ascendant sign? That's uh, uh, Libra. Libra? Right, so ascendant is right. Oh, okay, my bad. Like how you come off. Right. So you might have, I don't know, if we do your natal chart, you might have a water rising mm-hmm. or earth rising. So you might get along with someone who's a Scorpio mm-hmm. because your rising might be cancer because those are two water signs. So it's different for everybody. But once you get deep into your chart, you know, and your natal chart is basically a chart where you have your full name, the time you were born, where you were born, and your date. And so you get all these signs. So then you have your Venus planet, which is your love sign. Okay. Uh, Jupiter, which represents money. Uh, Mercury, which is communication. So it's so many different elements that make up a person mm-hmm. that people don't know. And it makes sense for relationships, business, partnership, all those things. And so what sparked your interest in this? I, I know you, you said well, you got just into trying to like ago. I like helping people, right? Okay, right. So for me... Um, I'm always curious about, you know, like Tony Robbins was a big inspiration. Right. I'm like, damn, how is this guy so passionate? Like, where does he get it from? You know, you see someone like Steve Jobs, you see someone like Walt Disney, you know, these powerful people. And so I started doing research like, oh, so Tony Robbins, for instance, I know he's a Pisces like I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, his life path number is a two like I am. So he's very diplomat, very tactful in his communication. But his moon sign is an Aries. So when it comes to getting things done and information, he's very like... 
intense. Like okay. he want to get it right now. So if I want to help people, I got to know everything about them in my in my mind. Right. Because I want to know who I'm really dealing with, not who I think I'm dealing with based on what they do and how they coming off. And I remember you, I think our first in-depth conversation about this over the course of the show was, I think it was in Hilton Head. We were like working out together in the gym. Yeah. And you brought up life path number, right? So how do you calculate a life path number? Yeah, so life path number would be your month, okay, your day, and your year. So no number can go above a nine. So it's numbers from one to nine. So basically your birthday is what? April 17th? April 17th, 1991, yeah. Right. So then, so we're going to do the year first. We're going to start from right all the way back to left. So okay. one plus nine is 10. Okay. 10 plus nine is what? 19. Yep. Plus one is 20. Yep. So then we have the two. Because 20, so you would do two plus zero, okay. which is two. Gotcha. So one plus seven. Eight. Eight. So then what's that? <laughs> Ten. Ten. Yeah. And then 10 plus 4 is what? It's 14. <laughs> right, you got it? It's cool. We're doing math, baby. We're doing math. Get in here. So then, there we go. We have 14 that okay. makes that whole month day. And then 1 plus 4 is 5? Yeah, 1 plus 4 is 5. Nice. So 5 represents change, freedom. That's why you travel a lot. Okay. And you're very curious. Yes, true. Also, you like to live life to the fullest. True. So eating, drinking, having fun. But when you're focused, you're highly successful. Okay. So that's your life path number. So you're going to always be curious. You're probably going to travel a lot. And what's your, yours is two, you said, right? I'm a two. So I'm very, I'm the peacemaker. So I bring the peace. I'm very diplomatic. I bring people together. You know, I'm trying to keep it cool. Um, But then you have your attitude number. Mm -hmm. You know, so you and I have the same attitude number. What's that? How do you so, calculate that? So your attitude number would be your month and your day. Okay. So your day is the 17th, right? Mm -hmm. So 1 plus 7. 8. 8 plus, eight plus 4. 12. 1 plus 2. 3. Okay. There it is. So attitude 3 is energy's good, and when things happen that hurts you or hinders you, you, you like, make humor about it. Mm -hmm. You don't want to, you know. True. So you you don't really, you're, as far as attitude, you don't play the gray area, you're even white or black. And when you're really mad or upset, people can feel it. So you and I have the same attitude number. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right, Eric. Brings me to my next question. Have you ever used a dating app before? Yeah, I have. I'm sure the one that you used was Bumble, right? I, I have been on Bumble before. <laughs> and I'm sure this is probably pre-show. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of using it, too. It's all right. Tell, tell me about one of your experiences using Bumble. Uh, Bumble's hard. It was hard in the beginning because you have to wait for the female to like you. Right. So, well, and, and then message you, right? Yes. But that's a, that can be a good thing, I think. It yeah, shows. It shows no, no, no hits. Oh, me. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't have any problem getting hits on Bumble, Eric. Let's no be honest. Hits. Or then someone likes you and doesn't so, message you. Then yeah, it's like, what are we doing? What's well, like? Why'd you mess? Or why'd you uh, yeah, like me in the first what's place? The purpose. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So let's hear. Let's hear a story. Have you ever met up with a girl from Bumble? Again, it could be. No, I haven't. You're okay. Really? Never. Okay. No. Um, How about you? I have. Yeah. Oh, okay. A few, only like a handful. Again, this only was a handful. Years ago. Okay. Um, but the the nice thing about Bumble is you don't have to just meet people of the opposite sex to to go on dates with them, right? There are other options that that you can, other benefits you can reap from using Bumble. So you can use it as a dating app, which. Eric has used with to, to minor success. I've used to a little bit better, but again, you know, it's <laughs> it's finder, it's all right? within the the beholder. Um, there's also the friend finder app. So you know, say you move to a new city and you're just trying to find some new friends to hang out with. I think we, you know, we can all attest that one of the biggest fears of moving is is not necessarily having people to hang out with, and that's what's great about Bumble is it allows you the opportunity to meet people organically in the sense that 
you know, you don't always want to go to a bar. Sometimes you want to be able to to meet and have a conversation before meeting face to face. So you have the Bumble friend finder, and then say you're in a in a profession where networking is pretty important as well, or you're just interested in meeting like minded folks who who kind of share the same career uh, hobbies as you. And you know, you can jump on Bumble. What is it? Bumble business networking. So there's three components to it: Bumble dating, Bumble best friend, and Bumble business, where you're able to meet and talk to people. Um, you know, fellow socialites, fellow business people just like yourself, or, you know, if you're looking to find the next love of your life instead of going on a TV show, you're more than able to go on Bumble and find them there. And if you go on Bumble.com slash Dean and download the app, you can start bumbling and, and start finding new friends, new uh, business colleagues, whatever it is. So Bumble.com slash Dean, be sure to get on there and start bumbling. All right. So last week in studio, as you guys all know, we had my roommate and Dr. V who left me with a homework assignment, which was to compile a list of 10 fears that I have in dating. I did just that, maybe to a lesser extent. I was only able to get a couple of them. I hope she's not going to be angry at me. Um, but we're going to get her back on the phone. We're going to go and dissect them a little bit and, and kind of see what advice she has for me moving forward. Hey, Dr. V, it's Dean from iHeartMedia. I suck at dating. <laughs> What's up, girl? Dr. V, for don't forget PG-rated podcast here. Yeah, f- that. <laughs> That's all right. We have a certain number of beeps, and we've already used two of them. So okay, I'm, okay, I'll be, I'll be good. I'll be good. I'll be good. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. I want to know how you're doing, and I'm... did you do your assignment? Did you comply with your homework? I tried <laughs> to comply. I've, I've compiled a short list, shorter than you wanted it to be, but oh, I did write a few things down. Okay, let's hear it. So the homework was, just to refresh the listeners, uh, to write down 10, th- 10 fears that I have in dating, right? I said 10? Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Thank God you shortened that list. You're smart. Go I wrote, ahead. I wrote three, so we could dissect them a little bit more fully. Great, great. Three. Okay. All right, so the first one that I wrote, and I, I actually just wrote these when I got into the studio today, is uh, loving and not being loved back. Yeah, that what? is a real fear, and I'll tell you reciprocation is not love. It isn't. You own your love. Your love is yours. And nobody can take that away from you. What do you think about that? Um, I think that that's a good point. I forgot to mention, actually, Dr. V, that I I have a a co-host in studio with me today, Eric Bigger from my season. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Eric, what's up? Hey, how you doing? How you feeling? We're all here. I love the energy. What's um, what's that saying? You are who you love, not who loves you. Hmm. And that is so important to realize. You're able to really take your power back from a real place of unconditional love. You know what I'm saying? But, but, but anyway, I, I digress. I'm getting very philosophical. So no, you're I, afraid oh, of not being loved back. Yes. But reciprocation is not love. So I just want you to think about that. Say it. And you're not... You know, you are who you love, not who loves you back. So so let's talk about that for a second. What do you mean by you are who you love? You are who you love. And when you examine who you love, think about the amazing insights you have about you. Think about all the people you, I mean, are you dating anyone now? Of course not. You suck at it. Okay. <laughs> so think about all of the people you have dated in the past. Okay. And think about who they are as people, and what you loved about them. You are who you love. So I am who I love, but not who I date. Well, it's 
Uh, oh, okay. So now that's now that's something different. Are you dating and you're just looking to hook up with people, or are you looking to to be in love? And I'll tell you, biology bears out that you're looking to be in love. Mm-hmm. We all are. As much as you want to be cool and say you're dating, you're dating because you want to be in love. So let's get back to the question. When you think about your past relationships, when you think about that, were they people? What kind of people were they? It says a lot about who you are. Positive, outgoing, fun, I think. They were positive. They were outgoing. They were fun. But that doesn't necessarily solve the fear that I have of loving someone and not being loved back. My well, point is, receive love? is like I want to I want to give my full heart to someone, right? And I'm I'm guessing my fear is giving my full heart to someone and not getting their full heart back. What I'm trying to explain to you is that is a vulnerability, and it's worth the risk. You need to be more courageous because reciprocation is not love. Who gives a sh- about the other person and what they give back to you. Your love is yours. But if you lo- continue loving them. All right. Everyone's fear is that they won't be loved back. Mm-hmm. And that is an enormous undertaking. Number one, maybe you don't feel worthy of love. Mm. You don't feel worthy of that. And if you don't feel worthy of love, you're always going to be rejecting it. That's actually But I'm trying to but I'm trying to help you with that fear of you know, having it not be reciprocated. I'm trying to help you with that you by wanna, saying, look, it's your love. You own it. You want to know what's funny about that? It's a perfect transition into my second fear, which is inadequacy. Mm. Yep. <laughs> inadequacy. In the, sense that, in the sense that I think that, I think it's kind of human nature to go around comparing yourself to other people, right? And so if I'm in a relationship, I kind of look at myself, uh, I kind of compare myself to other potential suitors for the person that I'm dating, right? And seeing where I stack up in that kind of hierarchy, hierarchy right? Um, so maybe that's kind of a, a derivative of the, the loving and not being loved back. Give me examples. I, I want examples of what exactly, you're, you know, your inadequacies. So you met Jackson last week, right? Great guy, super good looking, very outgoing. Um, super yeah, Jackson's smart. great. Super smart, right, exactly. And so maybe like say I'm dating someone, right, and I introduce them to Jackson, and I kind of like look at Jackson, and I'm like, damn, Jackson's way cooler than I am. He's way more like dateable than I am, right? So it's like a feeling of inadequacy that I sometimes have when I introduce maybe someone that I'm dating or, or whatever it is. Just That's just a for instance, of course, but... Mm-hmm. Wow, this is deep. <laughs> I just am wondering, where did you first start feeling these feelings of inadequacy? I, I have no idea. I'm just t- talking about them for the first time right now, so... I think it's amazing. I think to be so insightful about yourself and what your fears are and that you feel unworthy of love and that you feel inadequate. I mean, but but at the same time, how relatable are you? Because everybody feels that way. I feel inadequate. You know, I feel unworthy. Everybody feels that. And that's a real feeling. And I guess... Do you are, are there any ideas that you might have for for yourself like maybe mantras that you could say in those moments of feeling of inadequate? What you know what I mean? Like what could you say to yourself? Hmm. I love coping cards. Yeah. Are you are you so talking about I, like like pre-interview type stuff where you go in front of the mirror and you like raise your hands in the air and you say I am oh, powerful, God. I am wonderful. Okay, so let me t- so I'm glad you brought that up because let me tell you something. Power posing was huge. It was huge, huge, huge. But psychology has an enormous reproducibility issue. They couldn't re- reproduce that study um, 
a couple of years later. So you have to be careful with psychology. So the answer to that is absolutely not. I do not expect you to do that. And sometimes when people look in the mirror and they try to validate themselves, if they don't believe what they're saying, it makes it worse. That's why I like coping cards. So for example, for you, I would want you to put um, perhaps, actually, I'm going to ask you Mm -hmm. if in two words, if you could tell your younger self something, what would it be? I'll give you an example. Mine would be fear nothing. Okay. That's a good one. What would yours be? Hmm. That's a, I, Eric, what do you think? Do you want to chime in, chime in on this one? Yeah, Eric, where are you in this conversation? I mean, I'm letting you get it all out because I have so many <laughs> questions, but, you know, the show goes on. Um, uh Really was, falling asleep. No, I'm listening, you know. I'm seeking to understand and to be understood. I'm trying to understand your point. Uh, so you say your fear nothing, that was your coping card? Yeah, that would be, that. well, that would be the two words I would say to my younger self would be fear nothing. I would I say, that, I would what say, would yours be? Uh, embrace who I am. Just embrace it. Em- embrace who I am. That's three. It needs to be two. Say that again. Come on, Eric. It's three words. Embrace who I am. Oh, two words. Two words. Embrace self, I guess. Love thyself. Love thyself. Yes. Embrace self. I love that. Um, So, Dean, what would yours be? Um, How about like don't waver, I would say would be mine. Don't waver. Mm -hmm. You would say that to your younger self. Yeah, because sometimes I notice myself being a bit of a pushover at times, which I, I find that as a positive quality in certain instances, but there are times mm-hmm. where I wish I didn't waver in, in, in the face of some mm-hmm. adversity, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. So that's, that's where that comes from. And it's funny, too, because as we move on to the third fear that I have, the third and final fear that I wrote down, it kind of is intertwined with the first two. And what I wrote down was opportunity cost. So I'm looking at obviously not like a relationship like a business, but say I'm dating someone and then back to, again, the feeling of inadequacy. If, they could, if, if the person that I'm dating foreseeably could get something more out of the relationship from someone else, I almost feel like I'm doing a disservice to the person that I'm dating by sticking in that relationship, if that makes sense. So you push them away. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I slowly gravitate it's, away so, from so it. So it's your way. Can you, can you just say that again? Because it's, it sounds like it's your coping method for one and two. I'm, I, I'm not sure. But say it again, your, your third if, fear. I feel like if I'm not making the person that I'm dating as happy as they need to be in their life and someone else could make them happier, it's kind of like me looking at it as then they should be in a relationship with someone else because they could be happier with someone else. And I, I think that boils back down to the feeling of inadequacy in that sense. Well, it's your way of pushing the other person away. You so, know what I mean? So you're it's saying that's the, that's the root of it is is the the pushing of away of of whoever it is that I'm with. I, absolutely. I mean, if you're if you're saying, and, and by the way, how would you know if they're not happy? Are you asking them? I mean, that's the thing. Are I you thinking for them? No, I don't know. I don't know. Well, here's what I want to tell you, Dean. You are enough. You are enough. And I'm sorry you don't feel that way. And I'm trying to figure out ways for you to overcome some of these fears. Do you have any ideas? Um, I think I need to improve my self-worth a little bit. How could you do that? Hmm. Would you put your coping card in your pocket when you need it? 
and say, don't waver. If you think that's a, a, a constructive practice, I'm willing to, to put. I love coping cards. I think they're awesome. Okay. I'll put a coping card in my wallet today and I'll see or today and I'll see how it goes. Don't put it in your wallet. It needs to be like in your pocket. I'll put it, it where. It needs to be where you can gather it. I'll put it where at my, my driver's license sits so I can pull my wallet out and it's through that transparent <laughs> little slip. It's a quick reminder. <laughs> okay. So, Justin, wrap up. Your number, your number one was. Uh, loving and not being loved. Loving and not being loved. Yes. You now understand that reciprocation is not love. Correct. Just think on that. Okay, I will. You don't have, to, don't have to do anything. Just think on that. Number two was what? Inadequacy. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. And number three? Opportunity cost. Opportunity cost. And so what you're going to do is you're going to put don't waver on a coping card. Okay. And you're going to see how you feel in those times of insecurity and fear. Okay. Perfect example okay. of this. I'm going to give an example of that happened to me over the weekend. It wasn't uh, a dating example or anything like that, but I was boarding a flight from Minneapolis to Edmonton. It's a four-hour flight, something like that. Okay. Um, it's already wrong. It's already wrong. This is already going bad. No, Go ahead. it's not bad. I, I purposefully booked the exit row because I'm you know, 6'2", six, 6'2 two, six, two and a half. I have long legs. Um, and I need the extra leg space, and I go to my exit seat, and someone's sitting in my seat, and she looks at me, and she goes, is, is this your seat? And I said, yes, that's my seat. Can I sit there? And she goes, oh, I want to sit next to my husband. Can you sit in my seat? And points, like, across the hall in, like, one of the regular size seats. And I'm, like, looking at her, and I look at her seat, and I look back at her, and I look back at the seat, and, like, it's a small seat. I'm not going to have any room. It's a long flight. And I look at her, and I go, yeah, that's fine. I'll sit in your seat. And, then that, and I sat down in my seat, and I was like, damn it, I shouldn't have sat in this seat. I should have just taken my exit row seat back. And in that instance, I wish I didn't waver because the flight, I mean, obviously I got to where I was trying to go. And this is a very like elementary example of this, but I, I was a little angry at myself. Well, you're bringing up a great issue. How do we negotiate our needs? How do you negotiate your needs? And so for you, it feel, it almost feels like you talk about it as an all or nothing. You know, don't waver. You know, don't give that person the seat. And and I know that you're, you know, you're not doing that. But I'm wondering if that black and white thinking, you need to think a bit, need to think of it differently. Like, how do you negotiate your needs? Okay. And do you negotiate your needs effectively? Which I'm hearing you say that you don't. You don't negotiate your needs effectively. But you, but the point that I'm making is that you need to think of it as a negotiation. Within myself. Does that make within, sense? Yeah. Yes, within yourself okay. and with the other person. Okay. You're think, you're, it's a negotiation. So what would you have – and a lot of times when we don't know how to negotiate our needs, we don't have uh, an emotional narrative around it. We don't have language around it. So what would you have said to that woman if you could go back in time <laughs> and redo it? What would you do? I thought about it a lot actually while I was sitting on the flight, and what I should have done was a, a solid compromise was – had them, her and her husband sit in the row that I was in, and then me and the guy that was sitting next to me would have taken the exit row. So you would have, instead of caving, you would have problem solved. Compromised, yeah. So that way she, I mean, she still get what she wants, ability, and I still get what I want. Right? You have the ability to problem solve and negotiate your needs. And you need to be able to believe that within yourself. You know, that being said, if you don't think you're worthy of love, if you feel you're a pushover. Not worthy of that exit row. And not worthy of that exit row. <laughs> you have to get rid of that narrative. Right. You're telling yourself a bunch of lies, and you're believing them. Okay. So, Doctor V, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to go down and and write "Don't waver" on my coping card. I'm going to stick it in my wallet. Whenever I feel myself, I guess, succumbing to 
doing something that I don't necessarily want to do, I'll pull it out and I'll remind myself of, of how I'm supposed to cope with the situation, right? And, but, but remember, because if you're, the ideas don't waver, but also keep in mind that that doesn't mean to be a hard ass okay. because then you have the problem the other way. That's why it's important to think about your process as a negotiation. And you have those problem skills, Dean. It's amazing to me. You know, you're able to do that. You just need to believe that you're capable of doing that. I believe. I'm going to start believing more. Um, Dr. V. Woo! Thanks for the call. This was so Progress. great. Dr. V, you're great. Thank you for taking the time to come back. No, that's that's saying so something much. right there. You guys are, Eric, it was really nice meeting you. Is he still is Dr. He still v, I'm here. Woo! I'm here, baby. Okay. I'm here. Thank you. I'm here. We can have a long cool. conversation at some point. At some point. I we think will. We, I think you guys would have a lot to talk about, but yeah. that's maybe for another episode. Dr. V, thank you so much again for taking thank the time to jump so on the much. phone. Thank you so much. Already. Bye-bye, guys. Bye. Take care. Have a great day. So, Eric, you were pretty quiet during that conversation. What, uh, what do you think about yeah, all that? Yeah, well, you know, I was trying to take everything in that she was giving you in the moment. And um, I realized it's about you on the show because mm-hmm. I think I always say, if you spot it, you got it, right? So on the show, you waver from who you are and accepting you. Mm-hmm. So I think you mentioned the airplane incident where, you you know, you wanted to uh, exit seat because you have long legs and someone took your seat and then you were mad at yourself. So the question I was had will have you to ask is why did you avoid yourself in that moment when you really needed that seat? I mean, of course, I didn't need the seat, right? It would have been a nice luxury to to have been able to stretch out my legs a little bit. And honestly, I think I was totally okay with it. But what really uh, put me off at the end of it was when we were getting up to leave the plane, the exit seat was kind of like right across, maybe like back one row from where I was sitting. And I didn't even get a thank you, you know? Yeah. It's like, right. thank someone for for kind of like, doing that for you right if they thanked me i would have been like oh of course like i'm more than happy to accommodate you and let you sit next to your husband that sort of thing um but again like i i want to be accommodating to people right yeah but that's you're really good at that but how about people accommodating to you i just think that i'm very low maintenance so i don't necessarily need quite as much accommodations as the next person and then the question would be why um (laughs) (laughs) and then you laugh right so i have this i've always had this kind of mentality and i've kind of gotten away from it in the in recent years but from maybe like a 16 to 24 year old again as as foolish as i was during those times i'd always justify things by saying no matter the moment that you're going through no matter the level of discomfort that you have when you get to the end of it it's gonna it's gonna be over anyways right so the the stuff that you have to endure during it as long as it's not extremely bad it's okay because once you get to the end of it it's over and it doesn't make a difference as to to how you got to where you are at that point Right. right So the the three or four hours of discomfort that I had on the plane had really no bearing on me arriving in Edmonton or or Canada where I was traveling to, um, and so that's kind of how I looked at it. And I've I've always kind of had that mindset. Um, so that's kind of why I was okay with giving it up. But then at the same time, you know, again, you're like, okay, like I went out of my way to book that seat so I could stretch out and be more comfortable, etc. Et Got it. Yeah. So if I can give you share some of my experiences, please. With so I, you know, prior to the show, I was a yes man. Yeah. Said yes to everything. Didn't know how to say no. And the reason being because when I was a child, I was avoided. I was neglected. Okay. So I figured, oh, okay, if I'm neglected, then maybe I should just give to everybody else. And my needs and wants are not as important. So subconsciously, I became this person who, if you needed something, what I really needed, but I felt like you needed it more than me, mm-hmm. well, that's what I was thinking. I would give up my needs for, your, for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And so what happens is you get to a point where people start using that behavior against you. Right. And then... And you're always getting shorted in the stick because you're not being responsible for your feelings and how you feel. Right. So on the show, it opened me up to be responsible for my feelings. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I want to date you and I don't want to date this person or this is how I really feel. I don't want to talk today. Right. But I would talk prior to the show because I wanted to please everybody. I want everyone to make happy. Like you wanted to please that lady on the plane because you felt like she needed it more than you. But right. honestly, in the back of your mind, you really wanted that seat. So I think for you is go back into your childhood or your experience where where did that turning point happen where you thought you was last and mm-hmm. not first in mm-hmm. your feelings? Right. And I think for relationships and dating, that's what you got to understand and make a decision like these are my feelings even if it might hurt the person it's still your truth right like i feel this way in this moment and you know because at the end of the day relationships should be about should be unconditional not conditional right and i feel like on the show people talk about on rats on paradise yeah you had options and people made you feel a certain way i mean you made the girls feel a certain way but at the end of the day if you reverse roles and you put a girl in your situation you put two hot guys around them (laughs) The decision might be difficult, but we all should love and appreciate people unconditionally. Right. It's it's definitely, especially in this situation too, from the Bachelorette to Bachelor in Paradise and and moving forward is like we're kind of set up in a spot to be loved conditionally, like you're saying. So it's right. conditional love. They'll love you until they hate you, sort of thing, right? Right. Um, and it's weird because they only see a certain side of everything, so they only love you for certain reasons, not for your full self. And I think the point that I wanted to make when you said that you were a, a yes man for so long, yeah. you kind of lose sight of what you need to make you happy, right? When you're right. constantly doing things to make other people happy for their own benefit, you kind of lose sight of what you need for yourself. And then everybody else does too. Right. And then it becomes like a process of consistently giving you what you don't want and right. need because they're so used to you giving. Like, oh, Dean, take me to the airport. Dean, do this. Dean, do that. And you'd be like... Damn, can I just get a thank you? Get some <laughs> acknowledgement. But they don't know because you're not letting them know because you're not being you're not talking about your feelings. So that's where vulnerability comes in, is telling them about your feelings. So so let's go back to the, the airplane example then. Do you think I should have gotten off the airplane had after not being thanked, should I have turned to the 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 woman who I let sit in my seat and said, You owe me a thank you? No, you should have nipped it in the bud in the beginning. So I just let honestly, me. I have long legs. But we can figure something out. But I really need this seat. Yeah. But I'm I can help you find a better seat. You got it because at the end of the day, once you tell her about your feelings, she's gonna give you the answer to point. which to the solution. She's gonna give you the solution That's because you point. gave you're vulnerable. Like this is how I feel. And and I guess she's looking at it as um uh, as a thing that she's moving to some other location. But if you open about your feelings about how you feel, then she's like, oh wait, this is actually a human. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of impacting them and maybe the not most because positive. Because you give her information she never had. That's a good point. Information changes situations. I guess the, the more you begin to humanize yourself to other people, the more yeah. they can make decisions. That like are, you could be like, <laughs> I remember my actual question like two weeks ago, and he was like, oh man, I don't know, but you never gave me a direct answer. I'm so you bad kept, at that. You kept me. You kept it general, and I'm like, Dean, just make a decision. Just I tell know. me no, bro. This doesn't work for me. I'm like, great. I'm happy to do that for you. Okay, cool. We won't do it. But I understand you, so I, I knew how to move on. I appreciate you working with me. Yeah, because that's <laughs> what it's about. It's not about me. It's about we. Yeah. It's a us thing. A we thing, not an I thing. Yeah. Teamwork. But you got to be able to delegate and tell people the truth directly. Like, this is how I feel. Do you think that you're a decisive person? Now I am. Now? Because I can respond to my feelings and say, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. How new is that? Is that within the past four years as you've kind of begun to explore? No, this is since the show. Okay, really? So what happened was the turning point for me in the show is when I got into it with everybody. Okay. They were taking In the mansion, like last they week in the mansion. They were taking advantage of me. Yep. I'm so nice. I'm so kind. Yeah. But then I had to be tell how, how I felt. And then they felt it. Mm-hmm. They got it. And that's when I transformed. Right. Because I was holding on to my real feelings my whole life. Because I grew up in an environment that was negative. My mom didn't give me the feelings. You know, that, so I was just holding, holding, holding. Then when I let it out, life changed. Yeah. You kind of like allow yourself to be a doormat for so long. Yes. Yeah. Because it's, oh, you know. (laughs) 
so uncomfortable. But at the same time, I feel like there's definitely a happy medium no, it is. to make other people happy around you because you're I feel like I feel like you especially and, and maybe the people that you surround yourself with are are more they're they're able to endure a lot more, right? Like people are yeah. so fragile and vulnerable all the time. And I feel like as a strong individual like you or the people that you surround yourself by, like you're able to deal with more, I guess, uh, tribulation than, than the other person. So you're kind of willing to take a little bit more of the, the heat right. from, for certain things, right? And so right. so when you look at it like that, you're able to justify by being like, okay, like I'll take this hit because I don't think that they'd be able to handle it quite as well sort of thing. Right, but see, I was doing it because of what I wasn't getting because I was afraid I was going to lose people. Mm -hmm. Even though I am a nice person, I'm a giving person, but I would have friends I wouldn't want to let go because mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to lose people. So I wouldn't be vulnerable enough to tell them why. Right. I had to move on right. on a relationship yeah. like the relationship prior to the show i always made it make sense why i was moving on okay but i wasn't giving them my vulnerability right. because when i was feeling the love i was running because i didn't understand it hmm. but now i can go back and say oh i see what i was doing i was protecting myself because i didn't have information yeah. about love you did grow a lot i mean just from yeah. a, from an audience perspective you did grow a lot from limo to oh yeah spain right oh man it was transformed yeah i didn't conform i transformed because it was necessary. Yeah. I had to. Yeah. I think I think there is definitely something to say the conform and not transform. You didn't really allow yourself to get kind of kind of caught up in everything after that moment of of the the clarity in, in the mansion or whatever it was. But how has that kind of transformed your life post show? I know you've probably done a million interviews like this, and I'm I, I hate to even ask, but like, so good. how do you use that type of stuff to be more? I guess embracing in in a, like a romantic relationship. Your friendships are getting better, of course, right. because you can be more decisive and you can be more clear about your own feelings. But how does that affect you more romantically? I guess. I've just been open and honest of where I'm at, what I want, and what I need. Mm -hmm. There's no in between. It's even this or that for me. And as and I think again, as the audience members can remember, is you fell in love for the first time meeting yes. Rachel. So do you think that whole experience has allowed you and enabled you to to fall in love more deeply or more quickly or more? Uh, I guess I know surely? how to get there now. Yeah, I know how to get there. Okay, I can get there. I know how to go deep and fast if I have to. Mm -hmm. But I realize about me, I love hard. I love deep. Like. Um, I'm even all in or I'm not at all. Mm -hmm. I can't play the middle. Okay. And so prior to the show, I was so intense with love and what I wanted that sometimes it's intimidating to some women because they don't understand it. Right. They're like, why is this? Are you too good to be true? Are you doing this because you want something from me? And then they always come back. And I'm like, well, I'm not there. Because they're not getting it from anyone else. <laughs> right. Right. But it's emotional. They're emotional unavailable. Okay. I'm emotional. Right. Right. And so I'm learning how to not, you know, take a dial back, but just understand who I'm giving to. Right. Because I would give with no anticipation of getting back. I think that's. I think that speaks a lot too. You're not going to waste your own time, but most importantly, you're not going to waste someone else's time. Right. And and I think that's definitely a great quality to have, especially when trying to to find someone, whether you're dating casually or finding, you know, the the next wife or husband or whoever it is, yeah. is you're you're willing to dive in fully head first and commit yourself to that person emotionally yeah. and i think that that's that's kind of sparse these days and it's it's kind of lacking and that's what i need emotion i yeah. don't the, the tangible stuff i need intangible mm -hmm. stuff for my love mm -hmm. that makes sense but that's when you have the five love languages where yeah. some people what is yours by the way mine's is acts of service uh -huh. and now it's communication okay before it was acts of service and i believe no quality time quality time but quality time is big i love spending time with people yeah I like i love it that's i, I definitely yeah, see I, that that I makes sense it. you know it's like <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't have to talk to a girl for a whole week if i spend one time with you oh i'm gonna make that time like it's forever right so the active service is kind of pertaining to you want your emotions i don't to want be... a person to think about something i want them to think about it before i have to think about right. it. right so i know dean likes water sure i'm gonna get him water and i'm yeah. gonna get him some new vans and skateboards 
<laughs> but see, that's and I'm a happy man. Paying attention to my wants and needs. I'm like, oh, you did that for me without me asking. Because you? that means that they're caring even when they're not thinking they're about it. They're paying attention to you yeah. and they're making it about you in the moment that they're giving you love, and that's that's how I need to be loved. Um, yeah, so I guess that brings us at the top of the podcast. I mentioned that this is the week of the the anniversary of my mother passing away. Eleven years ago this week. Um, and I've traveled a lot this weekend, and it's it's funny. So I had a lot of time to sit on the airplane basically by myself listening to my music. A lot of self-reflection, a lot of thinking. And honestly, I cried a lot on the airplane by myself multiple times. I think one of my connecting flights through Detroit, I was just sitting there, and I like start bawling. And like I look at the guy next to me and make sure he's not looking at me. And I take my next flight to Edmonton, and I'm like, I start crying again. I'm like, why am I crying? And I was like thinking about this, and I actually wanted to bring it up. And I think you're the perfect person to bring it up yeah. with because you can kind of diagnose it a little bit. I was looking back at my childhood and my relationship with my mother. And I think that at the end of the day, I had incredibly strong attachment issues to her. I would, get, I would get to the point where I don't think I was able to sleep over at friends' houses until I was like 12 or 13 years old because I was so afraid of being away from her. It got to the point where she would call me and leave me voicemails after she was initially diagnosed. And I would save those voicemails for years and years and years um, just so I would always have like an outlet to hear her voice whenever I wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. And let's see, I, w- I was trying to think of what else I was kind of thinking about. Um, I guess I wanted to touch on a little bit about, and this is kind of off topic, about like what it takes to be a good child, right? So I was thinking about back when my mother got her breastectomy when I was 11 to kind of combat the breast cancer that she had um, and how I don't think that I was necessarily there for her emotionally. I was kind of like off the cuff about it and I wasn't as supportive of as I wanted to be. And then I remember her getting her, going through her chemo process, she was bald and she was very self-conscious about the way that she looked because she, you know, spent her entire life having this long hair and she just didn't have it anymore. And I remember like looking at her and she was like thinking, she's like, Oh, like I feel so bad, like uncomfortable in my own skin. I remember like looking at her, I was like, mom, you're so beautiful. Like I, you, you're bald and you're still like the most beautiful woman in the entire world. And I feel like as, as I went through the phases of her illness personally, starting off as being very jovial and, and kind of off the cuff about it, I transitioned to being very emotionally there for her. Like she worked a night job from, I would say she worked from like 11 PM until 7 AM every week. She owned her own cleaning business. That way she could spend the days with the kids and I would I would constantly go to her to work with her so I could like just spend more time with her before um, because she was very clear of kind of the uh, the the end that was that was quickly approaching and I was a little bit less aware about it. Um, but, yeah, I guess to to all of that, I, I, I kind of came to this realization throughout this the traveling this past weekend. And um, I do get emotional this time of year every year that I did have very strong like emotional attachment to her, like stronger than I could really think of. And I guess I just don't really know how that translates into my love life now, if it, if so at all. So yeah. I think usually, you know, as men, we we crave the love that our mom gave us or mm-hmm. who our mom is. So I think for you in a relationship, you need that attachment you had to your mom. You need someone to love you like that because that's going to make you, you're going to have to respond to them because they're giving you what you always gave your mom, which mm-hmm. is str- emo- strong emotions. Right. And so I think that's more the fear because you don't know if someone can be that potent or that powerful when it comes to that. But you know how you get to that point? You know how you just said this whole week you were crying mm-hmm. and you were emotional? That's how you get to that point with a female. You show her that. And when you show her that, she has to give you that. But what if she doesn't? What if it's a person that I, I really enjoy spending time with? Like I, mm-hmm. I see the signs of myself falling in love with someone, right? And then I open up about something like that. Like the, maybe like the most important thing to me in my life or like the most emotional experience I've ever had, right? And, right. The, and they don't give me the love back that I need them to. Then what's what does that tell me about that relationship? But what is the love you're looking for? Is that the question? Maybe someone like that that can sympathize and like be like it's gonna be okay. Like I'm here for you. I don't understand. Like I I can see what you're going through. Like I'm here for you. That type of stuff. Like say that. 
maybe I need more. Like, say I'm not getting what I think I need from it, you know, and that only that only that capacity. But again, it's like such a big part of who I've like become today. And so, like, should that be a signal as to whether it's a a relationship worth continuing? If you understand, because that's that's major for you. What? That's like that's uh that's it. Like, if you don't, it's like if you don't have that portion of the relationship, Mm -hmm. it's not going to evolve. That's important. You need that for your livelihood, for your health, for your well being. Because in like. Listen, in relationships, the reason relationships won't work for some people because they're getting their wants, but they're not getting their needs. Mm-hmm. So a person might, you know, Sally over here might be emotional, but Jack is not. Right. But Jack might be intimate and Sally's not. Right. So now they're missing each other mm-hmm. because their needs are not getting met. That's a need for you in a relationship. But the only way to get that fulfilled, if you have to communicate that to the person, right. that this is a need, this is a priority, I need these in relationships. Like me, I need someone who can stimulate my mental, someone who is emotional like I am because I feel like, oh, they're there. But back to your point about the love languages, the acts of service, you want someone to be there without you having to, you having to tell them that you need them to be there, right? So in this instance, it's like I kind of want someone to want to be there instead of me having to be like, I need you to be here for me. I want that person to come to me and be like, hey, I know this is a difficult time for you. I know you're struggling with this. I know you're emotional and I'm here for you. Like, I want to talk about it. I don't want to have to go to that person and be like, hey, like, can you, can you be here for me? Like, I want someone to go out on their own and kind of, kind of like, understand that's what I need at that moment, you know? Right, well, you have to communicate that because sometimes as men, we can show that we might not need that, but we really want it because mm-hmm. we is even ego, pride, or we're too masculine to let someone in and let us know. So when you communicate that, now it's on them. And if they don't show you that, you don't got to directly communicate it. They would just pick up on it if they're aware enough. Mm-hmm. But they have to know at some point because they look at you like, oh, Dean's a handsome guy. He's tall. He can get whatever he wants. You know, he's strong, but inside you might be hurt. Yeah. You know, so it's all about communication. Communication is key. Communication rules the nation. Like, what we're doing here, we're communicating. You know? Yeah. Um, but, no, I understand what you're saying. And it, and remind us, because you didn't have necessarily the strongest relationship with your mother growing no, up, I right? No, I didn't. It was very, yeah, it was, I didn't get no emotions. I didn't, my mom didn't, how was your day, son? Or, or. I didn't get the feedback. I didn't right. get emotional support. So like she did the physical. She 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 you know provided food. Yeah. She took me to school. You know she paid this and that. You know she showed me mannerisms and you should have, you know, do this and do that. Call this person Mister and Mrs. But I didn't get the intimate conversations that we're having right now mm-hmm. until <laughs> the show. Right. You know? But that's how I, that's how I broke through because eight months prior to the show we started having these crucial conversations about mom. You can't keep doing this to me. Yeah. And I didn't want to have an unhealthy conversation with my mom. But this is the thing. People have to understand that in order to have healthy relationships, you got to have unhealthy conversations Mm -hmm. sometimes. Unhealthy conversation is nothing but crucial conversations, talking about the things you don't want to talk about. Sure. So has your relationship with her progressed post-show? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, because we have more clarity, have more understanding. And that's what, you know what I was missing from her? Mm -hmm. Information. Like why she was doing what she was doing. And I said, Mom, you had me at 21. What were you going through? Sure. How did that make you feel? And I said, I'm always, you're my mom. I love you unconditionally. Yeah. I forgive you. I don't hold it against you because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here today. You made me who I am today because you didn't allow me to depend on a female to do everything. For mm-hmm. me. You, you allowed me to go and be a man at an early age and grow up. Who who was your emotional outlet as a child? It was your aunt, I think, right? No, no. No? I really really have an emotional outlet. It was just basketball. Right. Basketball really, like, saved my life because mm-hmm. it gave me, I created friends. I got attention. I did good in school. So 
the thing about me, I was good in my environment. My environment was bad. So all the kids who were doing negative things were getting all the attention. Mm -hmm. I was doing the positive things, and I wasn't getting attention. Because mm -hmm. if you get in trouble, you go, you know, you got to pay attention to him. But I was a good kid. I was responsible. So I was like, oh, Eric's fine. He's yeah, cool. Yeah. But Eric needed a lot of love. Right. I wasn't getting it. But I had to grow up, and I figured out my mom was going through something. And I also learned from some of my family members, they don't know how to give emotional support hmm. because they didn't get it. Right. So I couldn't blame it's them. It's kind of like a perpetual cycle. So basically what, I was, what I'm doing is breaking the curse. We're getting, you know, that's what it's about. And it's all sparked from conversation, and information. that's why with your dad or with your mother-in-law, you got to have these conversations because they have information about genetics. Mm -hmm. You know, people have cancer that's hereditary you know, have heart problems. But if you don't have information from your family, you can't better the circumstance or the situation because mm -hmm. you don't know, like, oh, I didn't know this was a thing for our family. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There are times, too, and I've talked about this a little bit openly, I, I, still, I still don't have a, a relationship with my father at all. Right. He texted me for the first time post-show two days ago, and he said, hey, I have an $800 bill from Verizon. Uh, is this your fault? And I said, no. And then that was the end of it. So we still don't have a relationship, right? And, but, and I just, I, it still irks me the wrong, like, like rubs me the wrong way when he reaches out first thing saying something like that because yeah. I want it to be more like hey so I'm like how are you what's going on um and I do kind of resent myself at certain times for not being more inclined to spark the relationship with him like you did with your mother I think that's great so me and my dad my dad apologized to me mm -hmm. I could have cried on national tv I was like it threw me off in the moment I'm like what he apologized on tv or after yeah on tv yeah. if the clip you see the clip he apologized in that moment and our relationship prior to that wasn't the best mm -hmm. Because he wasn't there either like I wanted him to be. Mm -hmm. I didn't have guidance. He was a provider, but he wasn't a guider. You give me the sneakers, give me the video games, he didn't spend time. Yeah. He would come to my games, E, do this. He was like, Dad, you never even took me to a basketball court to show me that. Yeah. So what are you saying? Like, how can I listen? But you got to understand where he's at. So you got to help him help you help y'all. Because he's already in an age where he don't really want to break his ethics or what he believes in. So you just got to give him love. Because what if he's gone tomorrow, then what? You don't want to have that conversation. So it's bigger than the both of y'all. It's, it's for the, the generations, for the family. Yeah. So you got to find a way to have a healthy conversation or just, even if you're like, Dad, I thought about this. This made me think of you. Watch this movie. Or I have a, a, a company that's giving me these bracelets. Take these bracelets. Oh, take this movement watch. Yeah. You got to break the ice. It's your dad, bro. All right. So let me ask for some advice on this topic then. So yeah. So when my mother passed away, right, before she passed away, since we were planning, we, we kind of knew it was coming, right? She yeah. said... I want to be cremated and I want my ashes to be scattered in Hawaii. Uh -huh. And I want you to scatter them as a family, right? And it's, it's been 11 years. So I, we've had my mother's ashes for, you know, 11 years, almost, over a decade, yeah. which is bad in of itself. But this year, um, I finally have enough money. So I'm, I'm taking it upon myself to fly myself and my three siblings out to Hawaii. Mm. over. So her birthday is Christmas, okay. Christmas Day. So we're going to fly out there over Christmas, scatter them on top of volcano on Christmas Day. But I still haven't really had a conversation with my father, right? I've talked to my siblings about it. They're like, no, don't invite dad. He's just going to, like, solely the trip. He's going to make it worse. But at the same time, I feel like he has every right to be there because he was the husband of, of my mother, right? Absolutely. So how do you think I should go about that? Do you think it should be, like, the amending process? Do you think I should reach out, reach out to him and be like, hey, this is my idea. We're doing it. You, you have the opportunity to come if you want to. But we understand you, you don't necessarily have to if you don't want to. Tell him. Yeah. And give him an opportunity to come. If he doesn't come, that's not on you. That's on him. Because this is the thing. If you go and you don't tell him, you're going to feel bad at the end of the day once you leave there. Yeah. Because it's information. So he has to think about it. You get It's like 
Well, I told my friend he shouldn't drink and drive, and something happens, at least you told him. Mm -hmm. But if you don't tell him, you got to think about, I didn't even tell him that. The challenging thing with that, too, is talking to both of my brothers. They're like, no, don't invite him. Like, why would you invite him? He's just going to make the trip so much worse. And I'm like, I know that, but I still think he does have the right. Yeah, because his energy, you got to think, his energy and your mom's energy created y'all. True. So give him the benefit of doubt and the opportunity to maybe that might change him. Maybe he's going through something or he didn't get over his fears or his baggage, what he's been through. Like, yeah. try to understand who your dad really is, not who you think he is. Because sometimes we put expectation on our parents, uh, how we see life. But how was life for them growing up raising you? We True. don't really know. True. So it's all about seeking to understand, then to be understood. Because yeah. right now, the kids, we always want to be understood. Like, Mom, Dad, you should understand me. I'm your kid. You made me. But sometimes they need... You need to take it back and understand them because point. they might be going through something. And I guess up until the point they had us and probably about 10 years after that point, we don't really understand who they were as a person, right? Because right. we don't start remembering until we're 10 years old anyway. Right, because we're putting them in this box. You're my parent. You should do this. But mm-hmm. hold up. Your parent is a person. Mm-hmm. And they have fallacies and rules, and they go through life too. They're not perfect. So it's about understanding where, what is this behavior coming from? Mm-hmm. Why am I not getting this? Well, maybe your dad didn't get it. Or maybe your mom leaving really hurt him. I mean, who knows? But if you don't have the information, no, you can't really just put judgment on him and say, you're a bad person, you didn't do this. That's a good point. It's all about love, right? At the end of the day, it's all about love. Forget the money, forget the fame, forget anything. It's all about love. This is love right here. We got love, bro. Yeah. Like, I'm going to show because we was trying to find love. <laughs> no, seriously. this is, Love is changing our life. We want to show for love and it's changed our life. Yeah, How I, crazy is that? I agree, right? <laughs> well, for the better. Change oh, it for yeah, the better. absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I think, I think you're right. I think. Uh... But let's, look, tell him. It's not up to what he does. That's on him. You just tell him. I'll be like, this is what's happening. You're welcome to come. Absolutely. Do what you want. Because you got to take, you got to be the leader. You got to be the dad, mm-hmm. the dad, the father. Because he, he doesn't be the, know Be the fire sign. Yes, the leader. <laughs> there you go. Ugh, Aries, dominant. Run it. All right. Own All right. it. We'll circle back on that, I guess, after I invite him and see what he says. Yeah. Hey, it might be a life-changing experience. And you might get a photo and like, hey, we did it. <laughs> you told him. Yeah, so... With all of these afflictions, I guess, that we all experience as children, especially through our parents, um, a good close friend of ours that we met through the season, yeah, Kenny. Kenny King, actually lost his mother today as well. Yeah, um, due to cancer. So please send your thought, thoughts and prayers out to him and his family. Um, it definitely cannot be an easy time. And, right. you know, no matter what age you are, no matter what how old you are when you lose a parent, it's never easy. And yeah. uh, I feel I feel awful for that. I, I just got news of that, too. So, um, Kenny, we love you. Yeah, uh, man, we love you, bro. Might be, the, might be the most unconditionally loved person coming out of the house. A great kid, great guy. And you have information because you, you've been in this process, so you would be able to help him throughout this, this phase. So yeah. That's something you can share. And, you it's know, it's so interesting, him. too, because he's got such a strong exterior, too. Yeah. But you, you we, we've seen the vulnerable side of him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great guy. But, yeah. right, Kenny, we love you. I'm sorry about that. Um, all right. Well, so <laughs> don't really know how to transition into this, but uh, the opposite of all of this, I guess— sadness is is fun right maybe a little bit of fab maybe a little bit of fit put it all together you get fab fit fun we've talked about it before we're probably going to talk about it a lot more that's just how fantastic it is you guys all know that fab fit fun basically sends you the latest in beauty and fashion fitness and wellness every single season once every three months depending on the season fall spring summer winter they're going to personally cater a box to you and what you might need for that month so for example some of the products that you would get in this season's box would be the Summer in Rose Black Foldover Clutch, which I actually gave it as a gift to one of my friends, and she's obsessed with it. 
the Sterling Forever Wishbone Necklace, which is beautiful, the Sponge Gel Body Wash Infused Buffer in French Lavender, which smells delicious. Uh, <laughs> I gave it to my roommate's girlfriend. She's always over the house. I always compliment her on, on how good she smells, and I think it's because of this. Uh, Nix that. I know it's because of the Sponge Gel Body Wash Infused Buffer. Um, what else do you get? You got the Himalayan Pink Salt Kit, which I gave to my roommate. He loves cooking. It makes the sticks that he he cooks on the grill just fantastic. Um, the Anderson Lily Body Oil. Uh, all good stuff. All incredible at, a, at an incredible value. Um, I mentioned this last week. You get the box typically for $49.99 per season. But for you, it's even less. If you go to fabfitfun.com and use promo code DEAN, that's D-E-A-N, you get $10 off your very first box. So, Every box is coming with over a $200 value. You're getting it for $39.99 for your very first season. And again, you get so much incredible stuff. Last uh, season's had this incredible scarf that I literally sleep with every single night. It's so soft. So again, that's fabfitfun.com. And if you use promo code DEAN, you get $10 off your very first box. So don't forget to jump on their website and subscribe, and I promise you won't regret it. So on last week's episode... We proposed the question, do you suck at dating if you only text the person that you're dating? We got a couple of great emails. We're going to have Mark, the producer, read a few of them for us and uh, talk about them a little bit. Thank you very much. This is from Janie. Hey, Dean. Hey, Janie. I personally think that you do suck at dating if you only text the other person. Speaking from experience, things are so easily lost in translation from when texting. For example, tone of voice can be misconstrued all the time. I also feel like it would be really difficult to connect with someone on a deeper level if you're just texting. You wouldn't be emotionally involved in each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric, what do you think? Uh, yeah. I feel like texting, if you're just texting someone and you're dating them, I think that's not enough for the relationship to be promising. I mean, I think intimate connection, being, you know, bring, being in someone's energy is important. Don't yeah. you think? I mean, think about if we just text our whole friendship. Yeah. I think, <laughs> to me, there are two avenues to communication within a relationship when you're not face-to-face with them. And it, a lot of it is fillers throughout the day, texting, like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing this. What are you doing later? I'm doing this. What are you doing for dinner? That stuff's all carried over via text. I think that there's a very important aspect of a relationship that maybe is is fleeting a little bit nowadays, which is the phone component. Like, yeah. I, I'm per- personally working on FaceTiming a lot more because you kind of have that, that yeah, obviously, the face-to-face. It. Um, and that's kind of when you can have the deeper conversations, right? Maybe not necessarily the the fluff that you have throughout the day. And just, you know, hearing someone's voice, if you just call, yeah. the vibration of someone's voice in your ear that you love and you're into yeah. can change your day. Like, man, I just been thinking about you all day. Just want to hear your voice. Hope mm-hmm. all is well. You know, have a great week, great day. That's important, even if it's five minutes. And then that can lead to, you know what? Let's hang out this weekend. And then you don't even have to text because right. I just called you for five minutes. And then we made a date for the weekend because I you hear my voice. I think a lot of it boils down to what do you plan on getting out of the dating relationship that you're in, right? If you're yeah. looking to just date casually, then texting every day is going to basically fulfill what you're looking for. But if you're looking for a more meaningful relationship, then you want to yeah. call them and FaceTime and have those deeper conversations with them. One of the uh, the producers in the studio last week mentioned that uh, some of the guys only text her, but one one guy called her. She didn't answer. He left a voicemail even. And that sparked her interest so much more than it would have otherwise. Instead of just texting, she heard his voice. He made the the initiative, took the initiative, made the phone call, didn't even get an answer, left a voicemail, which then allowed them to to kind of go pursue a relationship from there. So I think there's a lot to be said about moving past just the texting of a relationship. Yeah, it's more intimate, and I'm making you a priority through a phone call, not mm-hmm. a text. Anybody can text, but a lot of people don't talk on the phone. I personally, so I I think I've talked about this in in past episodes. I'm not much of a phone talker. I get whenever I get a phone call, most 
most of me says don't answer it just because I don't like talking on the phone. Whether even if it's just like a friend or like my brother or something like that, like ah, I don't really feel like talking right now. But at the end of the day, you do get a lot more out of a phone call than just texting. Yeah. So yeah. This is from Tara. Okay. Hey Dean. Hey. <laughs> hey Tara, what's up, girl? <laughs> In my opinion, texting is convenient for all parties and it's the easiest way to stay consistent. People naturally hate it when they don't get a response, so it's easier to respond through text than to find time to call. But here's her question. When you're dating someone, is it appropriate to text or communicate with your ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend or any other girl guy outside of the relationship? I respect that the people I date may have friends of the opposite sex, but is it necessary to invest in conversations with people you may have had feelings for or relations with in the past? Help. I don't want to suck at relationships. (laughs) Nice. I love it. That's actually a great question. I think that a lot of that comes down to boundaries and conversations right so i personally enjoy having friendships with my former girlfriends but i can understand how that could be off-putting for someone that i'm dating on the other hand if a girl that i'm dating or talking to is talking to her ex-boyfriend frequently i i wouldn't i would hate that (laughs) so maybe that's a silly double standard that i'm not even recognizing do you voice that if you're in a relationship oh absolutely oh there we go what do you think yeah, I mean, I think you gotta gotta be open. Mm-hmm. So I trust myself to trust my partner or my person I'm dating to say, you know what, if you've been with this person for this long, I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt to see if I can really trust you and put it on them. I think I think that comes because to- I think if you're always telling no, then your insecurities are coming up, and then now you're making it hard for her to be her herself, right? You know, you don't want to deprive her of being her because then the relationship is like, oh, okay, and she might, you know, submit to not doing that, but then. She might not be feel free when she's not, when she was with guys. Sure. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, I you think want the person you're dating to be comfortable outside of you if it's another guy involved. But absolutely. You definitely I, I, I think to your point, though, I, I trust myself with, every, with all those relationships, right? Yeah. So say I'm talking to an ex-girlfriend while I'm dating someone else. I trust myself not to, like, give in to anything that my ex-girlfriend yeah. is doing or saying, whatever it is. But I don't necessarily know if I can trust the other person to do the same. So maybe that's kind of where that mindset comes for me from. And the from. question would be why? I if just think you, that if the, you can do the same, but you don't think they can do the same, why? I, I mean, I think that you just you just can't trust <laughs> is it someone wholly. Until you, you said yeah, it, it could be that. <laughs> and and just like it's hard to trust someone wholly as as soon as you meet them, right? You kind of have to build that trust over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm just saying, like, I trust I think myself. You have to, boundaries for sure, right? But exactly. at the same time, I don't want to, you know, own you and say you can't. Of course, it's like no, live your life, right? Because there's gonna be times where I don't want you in my space, and I want to be free. And have some feminine energy that's friends as well right. as for that person to have masculine. I think I think a negative quality of being a significant other is to be restricting, right? You don't want to restrict yeah, someone from talking to, to someone or doing anything. Like I said this morning, in order to be me, I have to be free. Yeah. Say that's, that all the time. Be free. That's your that's your mantra. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for for writing those emails in. Um, I think there's still a lot left to be said about do you suck at dating if you only text? I think there's a lot more layers to that. Next week we're gonna ask the question: Do you suck at dating? If you don't take the initiative to make plans yourself. And my perspective is I love it when someone is able to take the initiative and make plans for us. Because I think back to what Eric was talking about earlier. I like when someone can kind of provide structure to the week in terms of the relationship, right? I want someone to be like, let's do dinner this day at this time. You're coming. You're, meet me there. Pick me up. Whatever it is. All right. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about next week. Do you suck at dating? If you don't take the initiative, email your thoughts, your concerns, your stories, whatever it is, to I suck at dating at iHeartMedia.com. I'd like to give one more big thank you to Eric Bigger for being in studio today. Thanks for having me. Also, Dean, coming up, I'm going to have you on my podcast. I love that. Yeah. Help I, me out. 
I don't know what I could help you out with. I think you got me pretty much beat in all areas. I mean, you're in a podcast, bro, so you know what you're doing, buddy. You're great at this. Uh, you're the man. I, I always love to hear your perspective because it is so unique, and yet you're still so passionate about it, which I just th- I think it's rare to come by these days. So it's definitely great to get you in here, talk about that a little bit. Um, so this was episode five of Help, I Suck at Dating. I'm Dean Unglert, and next week, I hope to suck a little bit less. Follow Help, I Suck at Dating with Dean Unglert on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.